G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Whenever you're doing the will of God, you're going to face opposition. When we're walking with the Lord and working for the Lord, we might expect smooth sailing. On A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie says, nah, not necessarily. Whenever God's people say, let's rise and build, the devil and his people will say, let's rise and oppose. You might say, well, Greg, I never face opposition and I never get tested. Then you're worthless. Because the devil isn't wasting his time on you. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Weightlifters know that if there's no pain, there's no gain. And if you're lifting weights and that's easy and effortless, then you're not really helping yourself. But if there's resistance, if it's tough going, then that's a good sign. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie says the same applies to our work for the Lord. We might face resistance. We might face opposition from the enemy. And that's not the time to run and hide or to give up. Let's learn what we can from Nehemiah on how to buckle up for the ride. Nehemiah, in many ways, is a book about leadership. We're all called to be leaders in some way, shape, or form. So let's learn from the leadership example of Nehemiah. Nehemiah 2, starting in verse 1. Early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king as wine. I had never appeared sad in his presence, so the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried in is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, If it please the king, and if you're pleased with me, your servant, send me to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Well, the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? And I told him how long I would be gone, and the king agreed to my request. I want you to notice how Nehemiah had a plan ready. Look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 7. I said to the king, If it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates, instructing them to let me travel safely to their territories on the way to Judah. And give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. And I needed to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. That's so practical. You talk about having a battle plan. <laughs> He knew everybody. Oh yeah, Asaph, he's over the wood supply, so I need help there, and I need this, and I need that. He had it all figured out. Nehemiah had already gone down to Home Depot. He knew what he needed. (laughs) 
He just needed a purchase order signed by the king. And he was golden. And the king gives it to him because the king had so much respect. But yet just to show that he had a practical plan, he was yet still dependent on God. And he's praying and giving God the credit when he says in Nehemiah 2.18, and the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. See, sometimes Christians go to one of two extremes. We become either hyper-spiritual, everything's spiritual, and we pray and we pray and we pray and we talk about it and we never execute. Or we become so practical we forget about God and then we take the credit personally. No, we need a plan and then we need to pray that God will help us with that plan if that is the plan He has given to us. We have to find the balance. Heard about three men that went out hiking. They came to a large, violent, rushing river. They needed to get to the other side. So the first guy prayed, God, give me strength to cross the river. And poof, he had massive arms and legs. This, this is true. And he's <laughs> muscular. And so he dove in and swam across. He almost drowned, but he made it over in about two hours. So the second guy watched this and he said, God, I pray that you will give me the strength and the tools to cross the river. He too had the bulging biceps, but he was given a little canoe with paddles. It took him a little less time. He got over the river in about an hour after a lot of rowing. He did capsize twice though, but he made it to the other side. A third guy watching the first two guys said, Lord, give me the strength, give me the tools, and give me the intelligence to cross the river. And poof, he turned into a woman. She looked at the map, <laughs> walked a couple of hundred yards, and walked over the bridge that had been there the whole time. So. You girls like that? The guys are all like <laughs> There's a place for the practical, and there's a place for the spiritual. That brings us to our next point. Leaders take initiative and risks for the glory of God. They take initiative and risks for God's glory. One good definition of a leader I've heard is a leader is someone who takes people where they don't necessarily want to go, or when they get there, they're glad they went. I like that. See, if God's called you to be a leader, you see a little further down the road sometimes, more than others do. You kind of see where we need to go and let's go and do this thing. And so you rally people and that's exactly what Nehemiah did. He came to the elders there and the uh, Jewish folk that had been there for some time and had settled for status quo. And he says to them in verse 17 of Nehemiah 2, hey, you know what trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins. The gates have been destroyed by fire. Let's rebuild this wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. And he went on to tell him how the hand of God had been on him in his conversation with the king. The people had been discouraged. They had been downhearted. They had settled for the status quo. But here comes a man on a mission. Here comes someone with a vision and someone with a plan. And their hearts grow excited. And they say, let's do this thing. Bringing me to my last point, number eight. Leaders face opposition. Leaders face opposition. Nehemiah 2.19, when Sanballat, Tobiah, 
And Geshem the Arab heard of our plan. They scoffed contemptuously, saying, what are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Listen, here's how to know you're doing the will of God. <laughs> Whenever you're doing the will of God, you're gonna face opposition. Sometimes it's even criticism from fellow Christians. Sometimes it's opposition by, by outright non-believers. But in some way, shape, or form, there's gonna be pushback when you're doing God's will. And you might say, well, Greg, I never face opposition and I never get tempted and I never get tested. Then you're worthless. <laughs> because the devil isn't wasting his time on you. But if you'd say to me, oh no, Greg, I get pushed back all the time and I get harassment and I'm even persecuted at times, that would indicate to me you might be on the right path. Yes, you'll face opposition when you're doing the will of God. Whenever God's people say, let's rise and build, the devil and his people will say, let's rise and oppose. And the conflict only escalated from there. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in California, USA. And we're learning about the opposition Nehemiah faced in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and the way we too face opposition when doing God's work in these times. Let's continue. It's a message called How to Be a Successful Leader. Let's think about the walls of your own life as we wrap this message up. When I talk about walls... I'm talking about a person's relationship with God. You have walls around your life. The wall of Bible study. The wall of prayer. The wall of involvement with the church. The wall of your devotional life. And so sometimes we neglect those areas. And when I neglect the areas, those areas of my life, the walls will begin to crumble. And the weeds will start to grow in and other problems will follow. I'm amazed at weeds. They need no attention at all. You know, you can have your little plant that you put out there in your backyard and, and you water it and you weed around it and you keep the snails away and, and you, you go and hang out with it at night. You hug it even. It's weird because it's small, but you try to hug it and you play classical music for it and it slowly begins to grow. Meanwhile, a weed and a crack in the sidewalk is 20 feet high. In the same time period, in fact, a kid named Jack is climbing it right now. So how does that work? Well, that's just the way weeds are. Weeds grow quickly and weeds just take over everything. In fact, they'll uproot the good growth and Jesus used that as an illustration to talk about what it's like to be a believer, that there's real believers, but the devil comes in in the parable that he told of the wheat and tares, these false plants or plants that look like wheat but are not wheat, tares they're called, that uproot the wheat. And so the point of it is in a church like this right now, we have true believers sitting next to <clears throat> fake believers. <laughs> they look like believers. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. And it's not real. And that's one of the ways the devil works. But then another thing that Jesus talked about was how the seed of the Word of God is sown, and some seed falls on ground that's embedded with weeds, and the weeds choke out the growth of the good seed. He says it's the worries of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Or another translation puts it this way. They're overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do, and all the things they want to get, 
and the stress strangles what they heard and nothing comes of it. Listen to this. Sometimes good things can become bad things if they keep us from the best thing. Let me say that again. Sometimes good things can become bad things if they keep us from the best thing. See, people when they slip spiritually, it's not always because of overt sin. It's just because of a lack of passion going in the right direction. They just sort of neglect areas of their spiritual life and let other things become more important. It's not like they say, I don't like the Bible. I don't believe in the Bible. They just say, I'm too busy to read the Bible. I have too much going on in my life. I have all my social media accounts to manage. And I have uh, things to do and movies to go to and fun things to participate in. Those aren't evil things, but if a good thing takes the place of the best thing, it can become a bad thing. You see? See, if you want to stay strong spiritually, you have to constantly be moving forward. I heard it said that at Disneyland, they're always painting it. They start on one end of the park and go to the other and then start over again. I've also heard that's true of the Brooklyn Bridge. They're always painting the Brooklyn Bridge. They paint one side, go over to the other side, go back to the side they started at again and do it again because by the time they finished it, the early coat of paint now needs to be repainted over again. That's the Christian life. You never stop growing. You never stop learning. You never stop developing. And the moment you do, you're gonna go the wrong direction. So this is how walls get broken down, a little bit at a time. Houston, we have a problem. Those are the words from Apollo 13. And so NASA changed the mission. The original mission was for them to go land on the moon. The new mission was to get the astronauts back to Earth alive. And so Houston began to work with those aboard and thankfully they were able to get back to the Earth alive again. And it's interesting because NASA classified that mission as a successful failure. Not an interesting phrase. A successful failure. Why? Well, because they gained much needed experience in rescuing a crew, the crew survived. No, the original mission was not successful, but the new mission was they were alive, a successful failure. So maybe you mess up in your life. You make mistakes. You make bad decisions. And you call out to the Lord and ask Him to forgive you of all of your sin. And He does. That's called a successful failure. Or you go and mess up and you make some, do some things you should not have done and you come and say, Lord, my walls are broken down. I need you to rebuild them again. I've, I've broken relationships. I've broken promises. I, I've broken so many things. But help me, Lord. And he will. And you'll have a successful failure because hopefully you'll learn from your mistakes. I want to close this message by simply asking a question. And this is your favorite part of the sermon because I said closed. Yes, I'm almost done. <laughs> My question is, do you have a relationship with God? That's the most important thing there is. Do you have complete confidence you would go to heaven or do you worry about that sometimes? Well, listen, that can be resolved right now. I'm making a guarantee to you that if you will ask God to forgive you of your sin and ask Christ to come into your life, you can leave knowing you will go to heaven. Because Jesus died on that cross and he defeated death at the cross. Oh yes, believers die. Yes, we do. But death is not the end for us. 
because there's life beyond this life. There's heaven and there's a hope that God gives to us and that's because we've put our faith in Jesus and if you've not done that, you can do it now as we close in prayer. And there might be some of you here that have the walls of your life broken down and you need to recommit yourself to the Lord. He'll help you with that as well. So let's all pray. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus to die in our place. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. And now we pray that your Holy Spirit will convict and convince those here that do not yet know you of their need for you and help them to come to you now we pray. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie with an important prayer. And if you'd like to make a change today in your relationship with the Lord, Pastor Greg would love to help you to do that right now. I think some people might say, well, what pray while listening to the radio? Absolutely. Because guess what? Jesus Christ is with you right where you are right now. And if you want Jesus Christ to come into your life and forgive you of your sin, if you want to invite him into your life, why don't you pray this prayer after me right now? In fact, I would even encourage you to pray it out loud. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my life and forgive me of my sin. I thank you for dying for me on the cross and then rising again from the dead. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Be my Savior, be my Lord, be my God, and be my friend. Thank you for loving me and calling me and forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now listen, as you just prayed that prayer, maybe you felt something emotional. I've had people write me and tell me of how they prayed with me at the end of our radio broadcast and tears came down their cheeks or they felt a great joy. Maybe one of those things happened to you or then again, maybe you felt nothing. Listen, irregardless of how you feel right now, I want you to know a fact. If you prayed that prayer and meant it, Jesus Christ has come into your life. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says, these things we write to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That verse doesn't say, so you can think you have eternal life or hope if God's in a really good mood, you may have eternal life. No, it says you can know it. And if you just prayed that prayer in a minute, Christ has come into your life. So let me say to you, welcome to God's family. Thanks, Pastor Greg. And if you prayed that prayer, We'd love to help you by sending something called our New Believers Growth Packet. We'll send it to you free of any charge or obligation. It'll help answer some of the questions you might have and help you build a solid foundation for your faith. Just ask for the New Believers Growth Packet when you contact us on 1-800-005011. Well, tomorrow, Pastor Greg points out that the way to be used by God is to make ourselves useful and to make ourselves available. Some more insights from Nehemiah tomorrow at the same time. Now, for a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called How to Be a Successful Leader. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1 800 00 50 11. Station sponsor. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.